When a fact, here's a fact. Before the playoffs began, I had the Milwaukee Bucks in the conference finals against either the Toronto Raptors or the Boston Celtics. And guess what? The Miami Heat, Jimmy Buckets and company had other plans. They outplayed them. They outcoached them. And right now in the Eastern Conference Finals against those young, talented Celtics, the Miami Heat are up 1-0. I think the East was more unpredictable than the West. But then just when I thought there were certainties, the Denver Nuggets come along. For the second series in a row, down 3-1, the Nuggets walked down the Clippers, the mighty Clippers, and win game seven. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, 10 for 38 combined for that game seven. Let's give credit to the young Nuggets for not just getting back in the series, but for having the fortitude, the drive, that competitive nature to go out and want it and take it from the Clippers. We can say the Clippers collapsed. That's part of what happened here. But the other part was they got outplayed. They, they got outplayed two games in a row. They got outcoached two games in a row. And now they're going home. The Clippers were trying to go to their first conference finals in franchise history. Different roster, star-studded team, same results for the Clippers. Another second-round exit. It's the NBA Cypher. Let's go. Clippers versus the Lakers. Battle for Los Angeles. That's going to be the conference finals. Everybody that's an NBA fan outside of being a diehard Denver Nuggets fan, we saw this. These two teams weren't aligned to meet. And most people actually thought, the winner of the Lakers and Clippers were going to be your NBA champions. Funny thing on the way, though, the Denver Nuggets, a team that was down 3-1 in the first round to the Jazz, was down 3-1 to the Clippers, the mighty Clippers, with two of the best wing defenders in basketball, with Patrick Beverly, another all-NBA defensive player, Doc Rivers championship coach, Deep veteran bench. They lose game five. And I'll be honest, I thought because of the way they lost game five, they would correct those wrongs and come back with a sense of purpose because they were on a mission and they would win game six. I was so confident that the Clippers would come out and win game six. I didn't watch game six. I actually spent some time with my fam. Looked up at the score later that night, and I'll, and I'll be real, I was stunned. Stunned and at the same time impressed that the young Nuggets found their confidence, found their roles. What they found is they had no answer for the Joker. They should have known that coming into the series. I knew they had no answer for him, but I've always said this about him. The one guy that can stop Joker is Joker because he is not consistently aggressive. That was not a problem versus these Clippers. He dominated Montrezl Harrell. They tried to put Big Z on him. 
He was too skilled for Big Z. They even tried putting Kawhi and Paul George, no answer. And when Jamal Murray joined him and he found his touch and he started attacking the basket, nobody in the Clippers could stay in front of him as well. But that wasn't what really got me in Game 7. What got me in Game 7 was this. The Nuggets beating the Clippers still was a surprise. If you told me going into Game 7 who I thought would win, I thought the Clippers had an edge, but by early third quarter, the Nuggets had total control, total control and all the confidence. The Clippers, they were a beaten team mid-third quarter. They had given in. It was a wrap. Their two best players, they were done. Kawhi, Paul George, nothing. No leadership, no energy, no passion. And then I'm looking at the bench because at some point, when guys you rely on, Lou Williams, Montrez Hill, aren't playing well, Doc, you got to give somebody else a shot. You got you to mix something up, make an adjustment. Tell your guys, stop taking jump shots. Start attacking the basket. Get the other team in the penalty. Find a way to get back into the game. And that never happened. The Nuggets didn't just win game seven. They blew the Clippers out. From what I saw, I thought the Clippers quit. What I saw was quit. They gave in to the fact that they were going to lose. I didn't see any resistance, and all the confidence was on the Nuggets' side. More importantly, coming into the game, when you blow a 3-1 lead and you're the favorite, yes, all the pressure is on you in Game 7. I think the weight of that pressure, not just for the team, not just for the head coach, who had already blown multiple 3-1 leads as a head coach, also Kawhi Leonard. Great player, two-time finals MVP, two-time champion. But he's never really received the scrutiny that a lot of players have received as being the number one option. Now, welcome to the world of not just LeBron James, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. When you're the number one option, let me throw Giannis in there as well. When you're the guy and your team comes up short, you take as much blame for those losses as you do for the wins. The NBA remains the best soap opera in all of sports. The reigning MVP and defensive player of the year, Giannis, goes down in the second round. And now we're questioning, do the Bucks have enough talent around him? And rightfully so. He's heading into his final season or what the phrase is, because it is a real thing, his pre-agency season with the Bucks. Meaning, if he doesn't agree to sign the $220 million extension that they can offer him, the Bucks are going to have to look to move him or risk losing him outright in free agency and getting no value in return. Now, if Milwaukee could come up with a lot of trade packages, and maybe they even get a deal they like with, say, a team like the Orlando Magic. But if Giannis doesn't want to go to Orlando, he can simply inform the Magic, you can trade for me, but it'll be my first and last year with you, which most teams will not go with. They won't run with that. 
Giannis, again, like I've said before, has all the leverage in this situation. But he's not the only one in flux. The Rockets go down in five games to the Lakers, and now people are looking at what do you do with that roster? Mike D'Antoni has already said he's not coming back. So you're already going to have a new coach with a new system. Going forward, do you try to play small ball, or can Daryl Morey make moves to put more talented players around the combination of Westbrook and Harden, or does he have to try and move one of them? Or maybe the unthinkable and move both of them. That's why the NBA is the best soap opera going. The Clippers just lost a seven-game series. That duo, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers, they're in the same boat. Their future, not so certain. When you look at their roster, other than Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Pat Bev, Zubach, and Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, free agent. Marcus Morris, free agent. Jamichael Green could become a free agent. Patrick Patterson, Reggie Jackson. They're going to have to put another competent, talented team around Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Or maybe knowing Jerry West, Jerry West is going to go hunting for bigger fish. The Clippers are going to return next season, I think, with a completely different roster. That's the beauty of the NBA. Even in the offseason, when they're not in play, we stay engaged because of all the potential player movement. But let's not get caught up in the what-ifs. Let's deal with right now. Like I said earlier, Miami is up 1-0 on the Celtics. Epic game, overtime. Bam Adebayo meets Jason Tatum at the rim. One of the best blocks, if not the best block I've ever seen in the playoffs. This is going to be a seven-game series. I will not pick this series because I think these two teams are that evenly matched. I'll say this, though. I think Jimmy Butler is the best player in the series, but I believe Jason Tatum could end up, much like the Joker did versus the Clippers, being the best player in the series because he is by far the most talented player in this series. This is going to be one that as an NBA fan, you will be locked into. This is going to be an epic battle in the West, even though they're coming off a high, they deserve all the credit in the world. You're going to match up these young, talented Denver Nuggets against the Los Angeles Lakers. Here's something I'm going to tell you that's going to happen for sure when they match up. The Lakers are going to attack the Joker every time he is playing defense. They're going to involve him in every pick and roll, every pick and pop action, get him moving sideways and attack his lack of lateral quickness. Not to mention on the other side of the ball, Anthony Davis has the length and the quickness to guard the Joker. I don't think AD will guard him exclusively, but I think AD can do to him something that none of the Clippers defenders can do. He can match up with him. The only thing Joker can rely on with AD is his size because AD has an advantage in every other category. Length, quickness, athleticism. Not to mention, if the Joker has to guard AD, he can't do that. That's going to be an interesting matchup. But 
they have no one that can slow down LeBron. They don't have any wing players that can match up with them. Lakers versus, versus the Nuggets. It has the potential to be a very good series. I'm looking at this. I think Lakers versus Nuggets is a five-game series. The Lakers are going to the NBA Finals. The Lakers are going to be your NBA champions. I'm calling it right now. And I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that because I don't think the Nuggets have the talent. I'm saying it because I think the Lakers as a unit, more importantly, when you look at their two best players and the way that they approach the game are a better unit than the Clippers wore. And I think that Frank Vogel is terrific at making in-game adjustments. Now, if Jamal Murray can be close to what he was the last two games versus the Clippers and the Joker can be what he was throughout that series, they might push it to six. But in the bigger picture, if you're telling me who's coming out of the West, the Lakers will beat the Nuggets. Before I go, for all you Nuggets fans out there that don't think I'm giving your young squad props, I have nothing but respect for what the Denver Nuggets have done coming back 3-1 versus the Jazz, coming back again 3-1 versus the favored mighty Clippers. They have nothing but heart. There is no quit in that young squad. And talent-wise, if I went top to bottom, I think the Nuggets have more overall talent than the Lakers. But the NBA is still about the best players stepping up in the biggest moments. So I salute Jamal Murray and the Joker for outplaying Kawhi Leonard and Paul George the last two games of that series. But now you're matching up against AD and LeBron, and I think both of them are on a mission. If you get the best version of the Nuggets, in this series, it will be another seven-game series. But the Lakers would still win that series. And on a side note, for all you Milwaukee Bucks and Sixers fans that are like, we'll just make trades, we'll get better, you're going to have to make epic monster trades because both of those teams have no money. You are capped out. They both have invested heavily. Chris Middleton has $140 million on his contract. Eric Bledsoe has over $40 million on his deal. Brooke Lopez has over $30-something million on his deal. George Hill has $20 million left on his deal. The Bucks have no cap room. If they're going to improve and make good on upgrading and putting talent around Giannis, they're going to have to find multiple trade partners to make that happen. And I don't know how you make that happen because if I'm an NBA general manager, I saw what Eric Bledsoe has done the last two postseasons. I saw what George Hill has done the last two postseasons. I don't know how you convince me to take those deals when I know they won't improve my team. The only way they could be remotely attractive if they were expiring deals and they're anything but that. Love Chris Middleton, but Chris Middleton on a title-winning team, he is a third option. He's not your second option. And I don't know how the Bucks front, front office is going to be able to alter the course of their franchise when they don't really have a tractable 
they don't have trade assets that anybody actually wants. If you're going to move somebody, you would have to move Middleton. And I don't know if you would get equal value back for Middleton. They're going to be they're going to be hard strapped to make a deal that's going to impact them in a way that makes them not just playoff contenders, but legit title contenders that could get to the NBA finals. As a fan, sure, you'd like to see balance in the league. But I've always said this because it's the truth. The NBA is not about parity. It has always been about dynasties. It's always been about the pairing of star talent, whether you drafted them or you traded for them. I don't think that changes now. Love Dame Lillard. But if he ties his fate and his future to the Blazers, Dame Lillard will never win a title. And if Giannis stays with Milwaukee, barring a monster deal that I can't foresee going down, he is going to have the same fate. There's nothing wrong with exercising your right to move on in free agency. That's the whole point of it. He's given them seven years. And I don't see someone who is his equal on the perimeter coming anytime soon. KD's moved. Chris Paul's moved. LeBron's moved multiple times. In this era, it's very rare that star players that you draft stay there for the entirety of their career. And in no way am I saying it's a done deal that Giannis leaves Milwaukee. What I am saying is if we recognize the fact that he is a big, a 4-5, that makes a living in the restricted area, yes, he has holes in his game. He can expand every aspect of his game. But even still, he needs someone on the perimeter that's his equal. Look at the way the Celtics are put together. They have multiple guys that can put the ball on the deck, create for themselves and others. Look at the heat. You got Jimmy Buckets. You got the Dragon. Their center, bam, much like the Joker, can initiate their offense. Terrific passer, and he's fluid himself at handling the ball. Look at the way the Jet, uh, the Lakers and the Nuggets are put together. Perimeter dominance with LeBron. Then you've got a big like AD that can play inside and out, rim protect, and he also passes the ball well. The Joker the best passing big in basketball, then you've got Jamal Murray, a dynamic perimeter talent. That's where the league is. Look at how the Sixers are put together. Embiid, dominant big, can do some of the things that the other guys I mentioned can do. But their second best player, Simmons, is very similar to Giannis. That's why that doesn't work. You need parts that fit each other, that complement each other. When you do that and you have a system that expands upon what they do best, that's when your team is a title contender. You can have a lot of familiar names, like the Clippers do, throw a lot of pieces together that doesn't make you a team.